MRAP Snack. I want to bring in my first guest for our discussion around health and equity issues. This gentleman is a good friend of mine, a mentee of mine, a colleague of mine, someone who I've had the pleasure of watching grow in his career over the past few years and also growing in his voice over the past few years as he talks about health equity issues in emergency medicine. We have Dr. Italo Brown joining us from Stanford University. Dr. Brown, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about your area of interest in emergency medicine? Hey, Dr. Landry, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm Dr. Italo Brown, an assistant professor of emergency medicine at Stanford and the social justice and health equity curriculum lead at Stanford School of Medicine. I have a special interest in social emergency medicine and health policy, and I'm also the chief impact officer of Trap Medicine, a barbershop-based health intervention for Black men and boys. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here, and I want to thank you for sharing your expertise in this space. Now, we're going to continue a discussion we've been having here on EMRAP about a number of issues related to emergency medicine with an emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion. You brought to my attention a recent article that was entitled Negative Patient Descriptors Documenting Racial Bias in the Electronic Health Record, and it was written by Dr. Michael Sun and his colleagues. Can you tell me a little bit about this article and what it found? I think it builds upon knowledge that we already understand about using negative descriptors and charting and the effects of implicit bias. So specifically, the article discusses how stigmatizing language in the electronic health record has the potential to exacerbate racial and ethnic health care disparities. This article basically showed two really important things. One, that Black patients had a 2.54 times the adjusted odds of having one or more negative descriptors in the EHR compared with their white counterparts. And then patients with Medicaid or Medicare insurance also had higher adjusted odds of negative descriptors compared to patients that have private or employee-based insurance. Italo, when I hear you talk about these numbers and adjusted odds ratios and a lot of these other fancy terms that you're talking about, can you just tell me very specifically, who are the ones that are having this stigmatized language inserted into their EHR and who's not? Yeah, no. So what this is saying is that there is a clear equity issue. People who are considered poor, people who are considered not insured, and upon racial ethnic lines, there is a difference in them having negative descriptors in their charts. So to me, that there's a huge concern, especially as this discussion around health disparities continues to grow, because we can start to track this through the use of negative descriptors and seeing that if these patients who may be black or who may come from underserved communities happen to have more of these descriptors in their chart, we can also see that their health outcomes are changing, disproportionately worse compared to other patients. And what I find interesting is when you have this conversation, it's often those groups that are historically marginalized by the healthcare system, as you mentioned, black, Latinx individuals, other people who are coming from historically marginalized patient populations are homeless patient or unhoused patient populations. There's so many groups that often fall into this category that are likely going to have this content included into their health record. Can you talk to me a little bit more about what these descriptors were, how they were used, and what this potentially means for patient care that, and especially the quality of care that they're receiving? Yeah, sure. So they looked at about 15 total descriptors. It's almost as if these descriptor phrases or words were flagged in charts and they saw how many times that they showed up in a specific chart. There were 15 of them, as I said, and it was all the grammatical forms of it. I like the, the way they kind of grouped these descriptors. To me, it was aggressive, agitated, combative, 
or cooperative or the grammatical form of it, uncooperative. Some of them are also associated with behaviors, things like angry, unpleasant, hysterical, and then more subtle ones, the things that I think fly under the radar, and I've even seen these myself, adherent or compliant, confront or confrontational, challenging, defensive, refuse and resist. Like We don't think about how these words often affect the perception that the second person who reads the chart or the third or fourth, how they respond to that patient. And we also don't consider how we're inserting implicit bias into the chart by using these types of language. You know, what's interesting because I think what you're getting at is like signaling. We're signaling for the next person who's going to go back and read our records, our documentation about what this patient doctor interaction may likely be like and whether or not they're going to, quote unquote, adhere to recommendations from their physician. So it's interesting to hear that these terms were brought up and it's not uncommon for us to see these terms in medical records, not just the flags that happen for those in those patient charts, but also just reading those terms and what that may mean for us as we try and come up with a plan of action for how we're going to care for this patient. But I want to switch because, you know, we want to make sure we talk about this study. This seems like it was a relatively small study and at a single site. Can you talk about some other limitations of the paper? It was a cross-sectional study. I think that the design itself was a little bit of a limitation. Honestly, it's difficult to capture that in real time, so it's standard. The limitations of the study, I think, are the fact that it's one site, so a single site, urban site. That major threat is generalizability, meaning that you can't necessarily say that this is the same thing at other places. Limitation number two that they stated was the lack of universal testing at the time of data collection. So in general, there is a selection bias based upon the start point and endpoints that they selected. And then finally, the big one for me was that ethnicity wasn't really granular. So terms like Asian was not broken up and you couldn't really get a better idea of the ethnicities that this particular umbrella term or race category captures. Interesting. So I think good study interesting entrance into this discussion, but could potentially be stronger by uh, making a couple tweaks to breaking down race ethnicity categories a little bit further. And then also maybe making this something that we saw as a bigger picture if we were looking at multiple hospital systems, multiple charting styles. So maybe there's some chance for improvement. Do you see any correlation between this discussion that we're having now and the conversation that I was a part of a few months back? when we were talking about race and patient identifiers. The segment Alden is referring to is from the September 2021 snack where we discussed patient race identifiers being used in the presentation of the patient, the origin of where that type of presentation came from and the problems that are associated with it. You should definitely go back and check that out. It really does frame the rest of this conversation well. Absolutely. And this is something that I've taught residents. I think you even spoke to me about this when I was in that portion of my training, that using a verbal presentation and including certain descriptors could be potentially damaging or disparaging. I like to think about it as you play how you practice. The physician that inserts that same language when they're presenting to a clinician or presenting to a colleague is more than likely going to insert that same language into the medical chart and transfer that same implicit bias into the chart at the same time. I think that the problem here is it has the potential or rather the danger, to alter clinical care. That patient deserves to receive care that is unbiased. However, when we use words that are negative in the chart itself, it will potentially have a downstream effect where their care will be compromised, their treatment can be compromised, 
and their outcomes could be worse than some of their colleagues. You know, I think what's really important for us to do is take this from the world of papers and publications and bring this down into the space that you and I operate, into the emergency department, into the world of emergency medicine. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you think this paper can be translated into direct patient-doctor interactions? Certainly. I mean, this study was more so from our internal medicine colleagues, but there have been several times where I've seen similar words, phrases used in the charts in our emergency department. I think that it's important for us to note we're incredibly fallible. We have the tendency of making these exact same mistakes. Now, at my shop at Stanford, I do health equity rounds where we discuss this exact issue where negative descriptors can somehow influence the way that we perceive a patient. For example, if a patient comes in and they are in pain and you document that this person was relentless in how they asked for pain medication or refused to do something until pain medication was given. If I read that chart as a second or third person, I might believe that this person has a negative intention. I might believe that this person is drug seeking and that is coloring their care before I even get a chance to see them. And the other thing is that I would say the word aggressive. We use aggressive often and sometimes a little bit too casually. We describe anyone who doesn't do exactly what we say as aggressive or resistant or defiant. And putting that in a chart can absolutely change the care that they give, the number of times they get addressed for their issues throughout that particular hospital visit. And downstream, it may end up as a flag in their chart. So, yeah, we see this all the time in the emergency department. You know, it's interesting because I just think about the fact that in emergency medicine, our notes often influence what happens to a patient when they go upstairs and admit it or they get referred to a consulting service. Exactly. And I think this is just a prime example of if we put language in the charts that's going to be negative, that's going to potentially bias the provider who's going to be taking care of the patient next, then we have done that patient a disservice. I want to end on this. I think we have to end on a positive note. How do we do better? Specifically, what should we be documenting and how can we communicate effectively about what's going on with the patient so that we can ensure that we are not incorporating bias into the chart? So I, I narrow it down to a couple of things. And these are practices that I've had to essentially weave into what I do. Because again, I acknowledge the same thing that I'm capable of doing this without even recognizing. One, we have to outright make a blanket statement among all of our providers to avoid using negative language in the chart. You know, you can cite exactly what occurred. You can be extremely savvy in how you document something without coloring the interpretation or the perception of the patient. The second thing that we can do is grow more familiar with our own biases. Understand our tendencies, understand the way that we can potentially pass judgment unknowingly. We can go through implicit bias testing. We can do a chart audit and see how many times we've used some of these exact same negative phrases because there's now literature to support its presence. And then finally, I tell residents and I also tell my colleagues that we have to ask ourselves these crucial questions. One, if the patient were to read this, how would they feel? How would they feel? And then the second question, if I were a patient and someone wrote this about me, how would I feel? I guarantee that if you ask these two questions, it'll make you think twice about what you put in that chart. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I think it's interesting because we often don't put ourselves in the patient's shoes, knowing that at some point, unfortunately, we will likely be a patient as well. I want to say thank you to Dr. Atala Brown for having this discussion, being a part of helping us break down this really important article entitled 
negative patient descriptors documenting racial bias in the electronic health record. Thank you, Italo Brown. Thank you for having me here.